This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for April 23, 2023. The title of the message is Gospel Servants, Part 1. We continue in our morning series through Paul's uh, epistle to the Philippians. Uh, we are uh, at the end now of uh, chapter 2. Uh, I'll be reading from verses 19 to 24. This is uh, part one of a two-part uh, series here on, on gospel servants, uh, a, a real embodiment of what Paul has been talking about with regards to humble Christ-like service, to have the mind of Christ in which Jesus humbled himself, made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant uh, in order to serve us. Uh, by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. So let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, so that he might reveal to us what he would have us uh, learn this morning. Our Father, Lord, your word uh, is, a, is like is manna, Lord. May, may, it, may we taste and see, Lord, how good you are as we hear your word read and particularly as it is preached. Father, would you give us your Holy Spirit to hear uh, with faith, uh, to lead us into all truth, to convict us of sin, and to point us to Jesus, as well as the one who reads it, that it would be read in such a way that, you, that your people would hear your voice as they hear it by faith. Bless us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. And uh, keep in mind the uh, response at the end. Um, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. This is the word of the Lord. Some things are, uh, they say, particularly um, things that are, are difficult and things that um, uh, require uh, discipline and giftedness. Uh, some people say that uh, it, it, things, things like that are more caught than taught, particularly preaching. You can't just give, um, particularly in preaching, you can't just give a Bible lecture uh, with Bible facts and, and expect folks to uh, uh, know what to do with it. Uh, to have it all together. Um, Christianity and the truths of the gospel include more than just information. It has to lead towards life transformation. And it's not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge that leads to deep life change. Uh, that, that This is why Jesus came. This is why he became one of us. He was incarnate. God come in the flesh, not just to save us, but to sanctify us in our humanity. 
He became one of us to live for us so that he can give that life uh, to us and work that life in us. Christianity and the life of the gospel isn't just taught, it has to be caught. And this is what our passage is about. After calling the Philippians to to humble Christ-like service uh, to one another, uh, he grounds that service, that humble service, in Christ's own humble service in obedience even to death on a cross. He grounds that that humble Christ-like service in Christ's service himself, the gospel itself in verses two, uh, uh, five to eight. He gives us then now, not by, not by chance, not by accident, but two real life examples in Timothy verses 19, 24, that's what we're gonna look at this morning, and Epaphroditus, verses 25 to 30, which we'll look at next week. So this morning, I want us to look at how, how Paul, how God's word calls us then to the same humble Christ-like service exemplified in the life of Timothy uh, and grounded in the gospel itself. Let me repeat that one more time. But we are called to the same humble Christ-like service uh, exemplified in Timothy and grounded in the gospel. So, um, so let's look at the lessons then of Timothy's life uh, and how it ought to, we ought to catch what we need to catch from it. Not just, it's not just being taught here, but we need to, to, uh, to, be, to catch then the living example the embodiment that Timothy represents uh, for ourselves. So first, Timothy teaches us that humble Christ-like service begins with a genuine concern for the interest of others and not only ourselves. Look at verse 19. Beginning in verse 19, Paul lays out his plans, which include both Timothy and Epaphroditus, and he hopes to send Timothy on to Philippi and then he would follow afterwards, depending on how his imprisonment works out. And uh, as he does that, he can't help but think of the blessing that Timothy is to him in his imprisonment. And what are those blessings? How does Timothy bless him in the context of what he's just talked about in verses, two, uh, five th- verses 5 through 11? Uh, he says that, He shows us that humble service begins with humble concern for one another. Look at verse 20 there. He tells us how utterly unique Timothy is. For I have no one like him. In other words, he, he, uh, the literal Greek, he says, uh, for I have no one of, of equal, in, equal in soul. And that's just another way of saying he's, he, he's, he's very much like me. There's no one else uh, like him who is like me. And then he tells us what makes him so unique, why there's no one like him. Because there's no one else who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Do you see that? You can't serve other people if you don't care about them. And and maybe you can, but it's going to be drudgery. 
Right? You're going to do it kicking and screaming. You're going to do it, uh, you know, you're going to hate it um, because you don't care about the person you're helping. But if you really are concerned about someone, you will be genuinely concerned for their welfare, right? And, and friends, brothers and sisters, uh, you know how this is. It is so easy for us to give lip service to Christian compassion and care. Uh, you know, you hear about someone who's going through a difficult time and, and there are things that, that as they're telling you their story, as they're telling you the difficulties they're going through, and, and you're, you, know, you give those Christian answers, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, I, I hope you feel better, I hope things get better, I'll be praying for you. And, and let me know if there's anything I can do. And, um, and then, you know, something happens where they call you and they, they, they need your help and, and you, you didn't really expect them to call you. Um, and, uh, and you're like, oh man, my, you think to yourself, my schedule is so packed. I don't think I have time. I'm sorry. Um, and deep down inside, you know, you're thinking, you know, I was just trying to be polite. But Paul contrasts that with genuine concern. Not a superficial, not a fake concern, but a real, genuine, deep concern. Why? Because he contrasts that with those who seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. See, this is a reference back uh, earlier uh, to, uh, in, in chapter two, where Paul calls the Philippians to have the same mind that was in Christ. And then he describes what that mind looks like um, in verse two of chapter two. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. And then he goes on to say, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he grounds that humble service and that humble interest for others in the gospel, in what Christ has done, in the humility that he expressed uh, and that he demonstrated, in counting more significant and having, being interested in the welfare of others more than himself, right? Have this mind among yourselves, verse five, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, Timothy has the mind of Christ, which means he is humbling himself in order to serve others. And Paul recognizes this as, as who Timothy is and how Timothy conducts himself. And what that means then is he, it presupposes a genuine concern for the Philippian uh, uh, church as he himself counts others more significant than himself and not only looking to his own interests, but also the interests of others. And what that means is is uh, that he humbly serves others just as Jesus did. Jesus humbled himself, and in doing that, he counted us more significant. 
That's, a, that's an amazing thing to say, that the Son of God who became man counted us more significant. Why? How do we know that? He died for us. He did not, he did not count his own interests greater than ours. In fact, he bound his, our interest, his interest with our interest, in which he obeyed the Father all the way, even to the point of death. And it is that same ethos, that humble Christ-like sacrifice that we are called to, to love one another just as he has loved us, to lay down our lives just as he laid down his life for us. And what does that mean? It means, it means counting others more significant. It means having the interest of others more than yourself. And that's why he became like one of us, to serve and to save us with that deep, genuine concern. This is how the gospel ought to humble us to the core so that we might go and serve others as Jesus did for us. Jesus humbly served us in order to save us so that we might humble ourselves and serve others. Jesus didn't humbly serve us in order for us then to be pridefully, you know, self-centered and not do anything for our fellow brothers and sisters. The very life of humble sacrifice he gives to us in our salvation and in our union with him. That we who are connected to him by faith, we take, up, we take upon ourselves through our union with him uh, uh, the life that he lived. And so, that, so by nature, the Christian life is a Christ-like, humble life of service and sacrifice for others. In other words, Jesus saved us by serving us so that we might be saved to serve one another. And here, there are a few reasons why we don't have this genuine concern for each other. Uh, why we don't really, I mean, we like to think that we do, and maybe many of us do, but it's, it's not as deep as it could be. Why? Two things. We don't really humble ourselves. Because of our sin, we're more, sin, we're more self-centered than we'd like to think. When we don't humble ourselves, our pride blinds us to the interests of others, in pride, all we care about, all we see is what matters to us, our own interests. And so we are unable to totally see the interest of others. So if we can't see their interest, then why would we serve them? Why would we even care? Why would we, would we be concerned about them? We won't. Another reason is we don't seek the interest of others because we don't really seek the interest of Christ. We live according to our own agenda, not the agenda of Jesus and the gospel. And verse 21 contrasts self-interest, you see that? Self-interest with Christ's interest. When we are more concerned about our interests, then we won't be concerned at all about what Jesus wants. We won't love what he loves. We, we won't care about what he cares about. We won't serve or be concerned about those whom Jesus served. Uh, for those whom he laid down his life, for those whom he uh, lived and died 
even to the point of death on a cross. So, friends, what do we do? What's the remedy for being self-centered and self-interested and being blind to the interest of others? It means we need to humble ourselves by the, with the humility of Christ. We need to let the gospel humble us in our pride or else we won't genuinely be concerned. If we don't see the example and the power of what Jesus has done for us in the gospel, uh, we won't be humbled to the core because of our sin. We won't understand uh, why Jesus died and why we need to even care about others. What we learn when we look up to, the, to what Jesus did on the cross, we realize, we realize that we are sinners and self-centered. And so Jesus died for our selfish, sinful pride. And, and he, how did he die? He humbly sacrificed himself to save us. It, it, is, it, it is the great beauty and glory of the cross that the very way in which Jesus saves us is the very way in which he saves us to be. And, 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 and so the cross that he took up is the cross that he calls us to take up and follow him in his footsteps, to be like him, because we're saved to be like him. And so the more humble we become, the more we will count others more significant than ourselves. Just like Jesus, and not only, uh, that, that just like Jesus, um, we will not only be concerned with our own interests, but the interests of others. Why? Because here's one way to think about it. When we, when, we are, when we are puffed up with pride, right? when we're puffed up with pride, we're going to see ourselves uh, higher and higher and, and greater than everyone else. And we're not going to see those who are in need around us. It's going to be pride is like a blinder where all you see is yourself. But when you humble yourself and you make yourself lower the way that Jesus did, um, you will see what's going on around you. You will see the hurt, the brokenness, the pain, the suffering, the difficulty, the hardship, the tragedy. You will see all of that around you. The blinders will come off. And you can't, you can't help but to help others because you remember what Jesus has done for you. What, it, what, would, it, what would it be? What would it be like uh, if if we look not only to our own interests, but the interests of our spouses, to really, really look to their interests, to be genuinely concerned about our spouses more than ourselves, our children more than ourselves, our family more than ourselves, our friends and neighbors more than ourselves, our church more than ourselves. Can you imagine how different our lives would be if we truly lived that out? Instead of asking, why don't you serve me? How about, how can I serve you? What would it look like if we applied this uh, to our lives here at Faith OPC? We live in a consumer age, a consumer culture where everything is about me. What, what can this institution offer me? What, do they have, what services can they offer me? What can they do for me? But, uh, you know, just to echo John F. Kennedy's uh, inaugural speech, Paul is saying here, my fellow Christians, 
Ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. How transformative that would be for the life of our church if we were to live in that way. And I know that many of you already do that. Uh, But with Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4, 10, I would urge you to do so more and more. You can grow in this area, right? We all can. And so I wanna challenge you and encourage you to do that. Don't ask what the church can do for you, although you know, the church does, we wanna do things for you, it's not a bad thing. But if that becomes the only reason why you're here, the only thing keeping you here, then um, that's a self-centered reason. But how about, how about the humble Christ-like service in which you ask of the church, how can I serve you? The second lesson we uh, learn from Timothy uh, is that a genuine concern leads to then genuine service in the gospel. He shows us how to serve then in two ways. First, he shows us how to prove our worth in service to the, to the gospel. Look at verse 22. If you remember throughout the book of Acts, Timothy was a faithful companion to Paul. And he pastored the churches uh, that Paul established in his missionary journeys, including Philippi. That he was there when Lydia, right, the, uh, the, the, um, the trader of purple goods, uh, was at that prayer meeting on the river of, the, uh, of the, the, the banks of the river there. And Paul, you know, shares the gospel with her. And then her and her household believe and are baptized. And this is how they, they know Timothy's proven worth. And he was there when Paul uh, planted all the churches in Asia Minor, Macedonia, Corinth, and Ephesus. And so they all knew of, Paul's, of, Peter, of, of, of uh, Timothy's proven worth because he humbled himself along with Paul for all to see. And what I want to say here is this doesn't just apply to gospel ministers, right? I I read this and I and I say, you know, this has to apply to me as a as a as a pastor. Uh, But I think the way that Paul is using him as an example, it has implications for all believers. Uh, That when people think of you, do they think of you as someone who uh, who uh, helps and serves or, or someone who just comes and takes. Secondly, he's not only a proven, he shows his proven worth, but he is also a proven son, a proven son to Paul in the service of the gospel. How did Timothy prove his worth? As a son with a father, verse 21 there, he has served with me in the gospel. He humbled himself like a son to a father. Like a son, he did what his father told him to do. And this highlights how the church is a family. Right? Throughout the New Testament, Paul describes the church as a family, not only as children of God, but as a family with spiritual fathers and mothers uh, in which uh, the older um, uh, are, are taught and mentored by the younger. Timothy was Paul's spiritual son, not only in the Lord, but in gospel ministry. And what I think Paul is describing here is a true mentoring relationship. This is the kind of one-on-one discipleship 
that is not only for ministers and missionaries on mission together, planting churches, pastoring God's people, but I think this also is a one-on-one relationship that ought to characterize the life of every church and every believer, that there ought to be the deep, intimate discipleship relationships in which we have a spiritual parent, uh, that as a daughter to a, a spiritual mother, as a son to a spiritual father, we ought to serve together in the gospel, not just gospel ministry, right? but in, in, in the life of the gospel, in the context of the church, and in the mission of the gospel as we take the good news out into the world. And so, friends, brothers, and sisters, I just want to encourage you. you know, do you have a, a close, intimate, one-on-one type relationship with a fellow Christian to be vulnerable, uh, to share your struggles, to open God's word together, to pray for one another, uh, to encourage one another, and to call out and to correct and rebuke when need be, with gently and with love, but, but done nonetheless. Do you have that kind of relationship? Or do you feel like you're just, you, you don't have that kind of relationship at all? Where if you were struggling with anxiety, with sin, uh, that uh, you feel stalled or you're going backwards in your Christian life, you have no one to mentor you. You have no one to keep you accountable. You have no one to encourage you. You have no one to speak the truth and love to you. Uh, Can I encourage you to have that kind of relationship? Just seek it out. Uh, Just, you know, go to someone who you think uh, can help you, a mature brother or sister, and say, hey, can, you, can we have a mentoring relationship? Can you help me grow in my Christian life? It's really interesting. I, um, I think I've told the story before, but, you know, when I was a, a, a young Christian or an immature Christian in college, you know, uh, I wanted to go to the biggest church I could go to. Why? Because I didn't want to, I don't want anybody to know who I was. I didn't want to have any accountability. I, if, if I didn't come to church a, a week, a one Sunday, because I partied too hard the night before, I didn't want anyone to miss me and ask me the next week, oh, where were you last week? So I went to the biggest church I could go to so I could get lost in the crowd. And, uh, and I'll tell you, my Christian life uh, did not grow very much. It was, but I grew the most it was like a rocket that shot me uh, into, the, into the stratosphere of God's love. When, when the, the first church I really, really participated in was a church of six people. <laughs> if I wasn't at church, uh, I was missed. <laughs> and, uh, and so it, it, and it really, really encouraged me because when, when something happened and, and the six people were like, how you doing, James? I could share it with them. And so that's the kind of of one-on-one mentoring discipleship relationships that I would like for all of us to have. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. Um, He said, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by, preoccupied with, with uh, our more important tasks, as the priest passed by the man who had fallen among thieves, perhaps reading the Bible. 
When we do that, we pass by the visible sign of the cross raised in our path to show us that not our way, but God's way must be done. It is a strange fact that Christians frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. They think they are doing God a service in this, but actually they are disdaining God's crooked, straight, yet straight path. They do not want a life that is crossed and balked, but it is a part of the discipline of humility that we must spare our hand where it can perform a service and that we do not assume that our schedule is is our own to manage, but allow it to be arranged by God. See, the point of all this is that I think we are way too busy. We overschedule, we overwork, we overprogram our lives. And, and, that, and another reason why we, we don't serve people is because we can't serve people because we don't have the time. And if Paul is calling us to prioritize, at least maybe higher up on the list of priorities, to serve one another the way that Jesus served us, we have, certain things have to go. We can't be so busy that uh, Sunday is the only time we see one another. <clears throat> and so we have to... Uh, Kevin DeYoung put, says this, and I really like what he says here, that, that we, we make ourselves so busy and we, we know we want to serve the Lord. We know we want to help one another, but, um, but we don't make it a priority because we're too busy. He says this, what's important, however, is to think about what really ought to matter compared to what really is mattering. For many of us, our de facto mission is take care of the house, meet the next deadline, keep the people in my life relatively happy. We would never say those are our priorities, but when it comes to making decisions and managing our time, these become our operative principles. Without forethought or purpose or follow-through of plan, we will keep pushing aside the priorities we we say we are are our actual priorities. The important things like God, church, family, and friends. If Jesus had to be deliberate with his priorities, so will we. We will have to work hard to rest. We will have to be dedicated to being disciplined. We will have to make it our mission to stay on mission. Let me close with this uh, final thought. Timothy exemplifies for us what humble Christ-like sacrifice looks like, Uh, what, what genuine concern Uh, for the interest of others looks like. That he was a comfort and a companion to Paul imprisoned in Rome. But but here we we even see in Paul's own life the same humble Christ-like sacrifice because Paul needed Timothy. Timothy was a comfort and a help to him. But what what does Paul do with Timothy? He, He plans and hopes to send Timothy to Philippi sacrificing his own comfort, his own care for the care of the Philippian church. And in this way, Paul exemplifies uh, the, the mind of Christ, the humble service. And, uh, and he sought the interests of others more than his own. And may that be uh, said of us. May it be how we live our lives
as believers. It's not just for for apostles and ministers 2,000 years ago, but it's for each and every one of us to have that same mind of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this gospel embodied, exemplified, uh, given to us in Christ Jesus, embodied and exemplified uh, through your, your, your people. Father, help us uh, to, to have these priorities. Help us to sacrifice ourselves in the service of others and thus uh, live for Jesus, to have his interests more than our own. Bless us, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.